Hello, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll choose a Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Check us out or play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Well, Kyle, we finally got here. Best Disney song. It's the first massive bracket of our 2020 season here, and I'm stoked because people have been asking for it, and uh, now we can finally dive in and figure out what what's truly going to be the best Disney song, and this is, a, this is a massive bracket. We brought in a Big Guns topic, and with that topic, we brought in a Big Guns co-host today. We've got one of our buddies from our Santa Barbara days. Christian Campos. What's going on, Christian? How you doing, boys? Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. You're you're very well known around our camp life as being the singer of camp, so it's great that you're you're joining us. Right, right. And and I feel like it's most appropriate to simply sing all of my responses. So <laughs> I'm really excited to to bring some musical tunes to this podcast. Yeah, cuz God knows we can't provide that. <laughs> Well, we've got the Century Club back together, which means I'm sure we all brought some great spoonfuls of sugar this week. So, Kyle, what do you got going right now? All right, so this week from my spoonful of sugar, it is I'm going back to Trader Sam's at Disneyland. We're going Tiki again. I am drinking the Angolata. It is uh, an ounce of rum, an ounce of Angostura bitters, an ounce of pineapple juice, some lime juice, some real cream of coconut. Um, you blend that for a quick five seconds, pour it over crushed ice, and you have one potent drink. And I say potent because I upped the dose by two because wow. I knew this bracket's going to be rough. So cheers. Mm-hmm. Chris, what are you drinking? I got another really potent one. Uh, I'm feeling nostalgic. So I went with one of our old favorites. Everybody's favorite blue cocktail. Oh, no. No. The AMF or the Adios Mother Gothel. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put a little <laughs> Disney spin on it, right? Um, the thing is, my blue Curacao didn't have a a party stopper in it, so it's a little more blue than it should be. Oh, no. But uh, I'm I'm not complaining. You know, it's uh, it's a little more Smurf, not not so genie, but. Uh, it is what it is. It's all right. So, Christian, what are you working on over there? So, listeners, you can't you can't see this, but we're all actually looking at each other's faces. And I'd like to just quickly describe what each of these dudes are drinking. So, Kyle's drink is the murkiest, cloudiest. <laughs> it, it 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 looks like something you don't want to put in your mouth. And and Chris's drink is literally neon blue. Um, I kept it pretty simple this week for my spoonful of sugar. I moved this week, so my stock is pretty limited. So I went with some ice-cold blue frozen mountains, a little Coors Light. Can't be mad at it. Uh, second part to that is I've got a whole rack of them, so let's see where this goes. <laughs> Coors Light is actually the official beer of Arendelle. <laughs> 
All right, before we get into our best Disney song discussion, we have some news that just broke a couple of days ago. Um, if you're listening to this in February 2020, prices increased at the Disneyland Resort. Seems like it happens every six months now. But for the first time, we have a single-day ticket tier, premium days, park hopping. You're going to be over 200 bucks. So, Kyle, what was your reaction when you saw this news? Um, my reaction was I'm not surprised because it feels like, I mean, you say that it feels like they do it every six months, but it feels like they haven't done a price increase on single days in a while. I think the last thing that they did was on the annual pass, which didn't affect me at all. This one does, and like honestly, I I go once a year, maybe, and I go for two days, so it just means that I have to save more to get there, but I it, it's not like I live in Southern California and can go whenever I want and then have to pay these daily fees um, every single time, so it it upsets me, but um, obviously I have this Disney podcast and like it enough to get down there. So it's I'm still going to go. It's just going to hurt a little bit more. Yeah, I'm so far away from the parks that I also am kind of like, I'm going to drop a bunch of money to get down there anyway. So probably won't affect me too much. But I think it does kind of follow along the discussion we were having when we were talking about D23 and how like Disney is this lifestyle thing now where you don't just like you either aren't a Disney person or you live Disney and this price change kind of goes along with that where the people that go to Disney a few times a year don't exist anymore you either go once a year once every couple of years or you go to Disney all the time and you have an annual pass so I guess I kind of feel bad for those type of people. I used to be someone that was kind of like that uh, in my college days, just drive down every few months and, and, and go. But I guess if I was still living in Southern California, I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Um, so yeah, Christian, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm gonna be probably the most unpopular person on this podcast and just say that the parks don't do much for me. And I come at it from a very specific perspective. Like, I'm still in Southern California. There's this idea when you live near the park that it's always going to be there. And you probably, as a kid, went a lot. Bower Sox, I'm sure you constantly went. I went twice in high school for grad night, right? So, like, by the time I hit 18, I was pretty maxed out. Not so much because of like the magic. I actually just had a presentation at work today about how the details make the experience, but it really has become an exhausting process for someone like me who doesn't really care to be around a lot of people. Um, so the price increase would actually probably influence me to go now because it probably is weeding out a lot of people and the park might hopefully feel a little bit less congested. Um, that being said, if uh, if it goes up any further, I think at some point it's going to it's going to feel super ridiculous, and they're just going to start to lose a lot of that audience that right now makes it work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually was gonna gonna say something like that, where the park experience is more enjoyable when there's less people there. So if right. you turn the Disney parks into like a, a premium experience, people might feel like they got their money's worth 
Well, and it's similar to, to Orlando, right? So I was just there for, for a conference and from the second you step off of the airplane, the entire airport is Disney, right? Like the only reason people go to that part of Florida is because of those theme parks or for conferences, right? So if you had it be this, mega experience where you knew you were going to drop money on the ticket and on the hotel and on everything like you can prepare for it when it's in Southern California in your backyard it should feel a little bit more casual and it doesn't anymore so I think that's where they lose me all right well enough about the ticket prices it's time to get down to business our bracket is best to Disney song. The Huns. No oh boy. Our <laughs> our bracket is best Disney song. And in order to find our bracket of thirty-two songs this week, we had to find a specific demographic who might know a little bit about music. Chris, who did the interns survey for this week? Yeah, these interns surveyed uh, a group of people that are clearly music lovers. These are people who sing and speak every single word to the phantasmic soundtrack and this is not just like the music this is like the the small pieces of dialogue too and all of these songs are like remix so yeah like pink elephants remix so these people like go home and like listen to the, the phantasmic show right and, and memorize every word and then when they go see it and then they repeat it i don't know if it just makes them feel good or like they want everyone around them to know that like, i know this show <laughs> i hope you know the show it's been around for 30-something years. <laughs> so, yeah, we had our, our, our folks ask those apparent music lovers what the best Disney song is, and we got it down to 32 responses. But, of course, we had to have a few that just missed the dance. <clears throat> so we have a few honorable mentions we want to talk about. Kyle, what's our first honorable mention? First honorable mention, just missed the dance, and it's a shame. It's a shame because it's an underrated song. It's When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2. Everybody knows the scene. Jessie's giving her backstory. Jessie was abandoned. Sarah McLaughlin comes in and just breaks our hearts. It's an incredible song, and it just missed the dance. My first miss the dance is one that sets up Beauty and the Beast quite nicely. It's a movie that's stacked with a lot of really good songs. It's my personal favorite, um, a very memorable tune to it, Belle. The very beginning, the whole movie opens with a song. I think it does a really good job, like just setting the tone and like it goes through a lot of like the expositional like plot stuff, like in sing song, which I really enjoy about it. But like I said, the movie's so stacked that like no one's gonna pick that song as their as their favorite song from Beauty and the Beast or in the Disney Library. So not surprised it didn't quite make it. And my next one that missed the dance is quite similar. It's Poor Unfortunate Souls from The Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid's another uh, movie that has some pretty memorable songs, um, Under the Sea, Part of Your World, and Poor Unfortunate Souls, unfortunately, get dropped to just missing the dance. Next one is When Will My Life Begin from Tangled. This is a great song that establishes Rapunzel as a character. I think it's absolutely hilarious. One of the best songs in the Disney library when it comes to just pure comedy. Um, and they do a really good job, like, also animating, like, really funny sequences to go with the song. Um, if you've never heard it or never seen it, look it up on YouTube. It's great. It's a fun time. It slaps. But again, it's not really the best song from Tangled, in my opinion. So not surprised it missed. Last Just Missed the Dance for me is A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Uh, it's a princess song. They, we've got the princess songs covered on this 
round of 32, and I think that, unfortunately, it's it's the weaker of them, but it's still such a memorable song um, that it, I think it had to be brought up. So, Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, great song, just not for this bracket. And just missing out on our field of 32, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. It's personally one of my favorite songs from The Lion King, probably top two for me. Um, I, you know, I love it when a movie slows down. If you listen to our Frozen mini episode, you know, I like those slow, sappy songs. Can You Feel the Love Tonight's one of those. Um, whether it's the movie version, Elton John's poppy version, whatever. It's, it's a great song. Well, those were a few that just missed the dance, but it's time to announce those that made it. It is our round of 32. Cue the dramatic music, and let's get into it. The 90s bias is alive and well in this bracket. Coming in, the number one seed from Aladdin, A Whole New World. The cold doesn't bother her, but it sure bothers me. Coming in at the number two seed is Let It Go from the movie Frozen. Crustacean Nation, where you at? Coming in for the number three seed from The Little Mermaid, Under the Sea. It's basically the theme song of the entire Disney company. Coming in at the number four seed is When You Wish Upon a Star from the movie Pinocchio. We proudly present the number five seed from Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest. Will this song circle its way right on out of the bracket? Coming in at number six, it's the circle of life from the movie The Lion King. What a sad, strange little seven seed. From Toy Story, it's You've Got a Friend in Me. Have you ever sang a song while you were practically getting kidnapped? Coming in at number eight, it's You Can Fly from Peter Pan. How far will this song go? Coming in at number nine from Moana, How Far I'll Go. Will we give this song any worries? Coming in at number 10, it's Akuna Matata from The Lion King. Oop-it-doo! It's the Mouse Madness theme song from The Jungle Book, I Wanna Be Like You. Turns out if you can sing, nature will love ya. Coming in at number 12, it's Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Don't let your dad hear you singing the number 13 seed from The Little Mermaid, Part of Your World. Coming in at the number 14 seed, it is Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Will Smith shaking hands emoji Robin Williams. Coming in at number 15 from Aladdin, Friend Like Me. Is this song memorable enough to make it to the end? Coming in at number 16, it's Remember Me from Coco. We got the OG. Coming in at number 17 from Snow White, Someday My Prince Will Come. Does this song have what it takes to truly go the distance? Coming in at number 18, it's Go the Distance from Hercules. Our best Disney hero returns to sing the number 19 scene from Mulan, Reflection. It's the song that every seven-year-old can brag that they can spell the title. Coming in at number 20, it's Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious from Mary Poppins. We've got literal jazz cats with the number 21 seed from the Aristocats. Everybody wants to be a cat. Is this song dreaming of a crown in its future? Coming in at number 22, it's Once Upon a Dream from 
Sleepy Beauty. Will 101 Dalmatians finally get some love on this podcast? Coming in at number 23, Cruella DeVille. Sometimes bad choices turn into good songs. Coming in at number 24 is I've Got No Strings from Pinocchio. Doesn't he deserve the best? Coming in at number 25 from Beauty and the Beast, Gaston. Oh, guess what? Another Frozen reference on Mouse Madness. Coming in at number 26, it's the first time in forever from Frozen. Is it getting froggy in here? Coming in at number 27 from Princess and the Frog, almost there. Are you prepared to see how far the song goes? Coming in at number 28, it's Be Prepared from The Lion King. I'm not crying, you're crying. Coming in at number 29 from Mary Poppins, Feed the Birds. It's a love song to end all love songs. Coming in at number 30, I See the Light from Tangled. The movie's terrible, but will this hero's anthem beat the odds? Coming in at number 31 from Brave, Touch the Sky. And a movie that everyone forgets is Disney. Coming in at the number 32 spot from the movie Hunchback of Notre Dame, Out There. All right, let's start things off here with our first matchup. The number one seed, A Whole New World, versus the number 32 seed, Out There. Now, this seems like an extremely one-sided matchup, and it pretty much is. Um, I think Out There is a really underrated song. Um it starts off kind of strange. There's a little back and forth between Quasimodo and Judge Claude Frollo, who we talked about a lot in our villains bracket. We really appreciate Judge Frollo as a villain. He's like a master mental manipulator, right? And so you get that a little bit uh, at the very beginning of Out There. Um, but if you take that part out, um, just the solo part, Quasimodo sings is actually a really good song, and it's featured in the Nighttime Spectacular. Uh, it's like Believe in Magic, Dreams Come True, something like that at um, Magic Kingdom in Florida. It's a great show, um, and Out There is, is featured in it, um, which which is cool. And it kind of like um, gave me some attention to this song. I guess uh, I had kind of forgotten about it, and and it's pretty good. And the vocal track is really good. Um, the guy who is the singing voice for Quasimodo was kind of like a, a random. I think he, he had a Broadway career at the time, and then he, he kind of like fell back into obscurity. I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot since then. Um, so I think, you know, we should give a little shout out to Out There for being, you know, maybe underrated. But A Whole New World um, is just a, a far better song. I... I, I I'm not sure it deserves the number one seed, but um, I will take it in this matchup for sure. Um, it's a duet which are semi-rare in the Disney library. I think there's only one other one on this bracket, but um, I think A Whole New World easily here. We don't have to talk about it too much because I think it's uh, pretty obvious. Yeah, um, I, I'm i going to say this probably over and over again throughout this entire uh, bracket, but... I really look at this in the context of like what reminds me that it's a Disney song. Like when you hear Out There, if you put on Out There in the car, somebody's going to be like, wow, what Broadway show is this from? <laughs> Which is like, 
kudos to the song itself because it's a fantastic song but when you're matched up against a whole new world which almost everybody knows the words to because they associate so closely with disney whole new world's gonna win so i'm also moving a whole new world on and uh we're just gonna move right on back down the bracket here to the number 16 remember me versus the number 17 someday my prince will come this is a tough one for me because i love the coco soundtrack there's so many good songs on the Coco soundtrack. Um, and especially Remember Me, that's the one that really stuck with everybody. That's the one that was kind of the underlining theme of the entire movie. It's There were many different reprises of it throughout the movie. And then you have the the ending when Miguel sings it with Mama Coco and it just, you become a, a wet puddle. It's up against Someday My Prince Will Come, uh, which is Snow White song. It's an OG Disney song, one of the earlier one of the earlier uh, hits out of the Disney library. After um, "Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf," that's probably the biggest song, uh, the first big hit that Disney ever put out, and it was for one of the Silly Symphonies. But does that song really hold the test of time? And are people going to start associating "Remember Me" straight to Disney? Those are the kind of the two things that I I struggle with here. If I'm just going to like choose one right here right now it's someday my prince will come just because it's such an iconic disney song that even if even if people aren't actively listening to it like people are actively listening to remember me the association back to disney and how often disney uses it in not only their marketing materials but in the parks um just makes it the more iconic disney song um so i'm i'm gonna move someday my prince will come on past remember me Okay, Kyle, so um, you know that I'm not a huge fan of the movie Coco. <laughs> that, has been, that has been known, right? Listeners of this podcast will acknowledge. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. I am a diehard fan of Norteño and Corrido music. I'm a fan of Banda. Diehard. I'm a fan of all Latin pop. I, I love it. I love it. I love Remember Me. I think it's a great song. I think it's better in Spanish. And when you play that song, you hear like the fullness of the recording. There are so many like guitars and the vocals are amazing. It's so authentic, I think is the word that I'm looking for. And and so unique. You know, there aren't really any other songs in the Disney library that have that Latin flavor to them and are inspired by that type of music so um, I'm really into Remember Me but I will acknowledge the fact that um, Someday My Prince Will Come is an iconic song but believe it or not I am out on all references to iconic like classic all of these songs and, and I'm like a words first kind of guy that's my background is writing I would consider myself a creative writer so I went through I looked at all these songs' lyrics, and so many of these old songs were not written by musicians. They were written by animators that, like, could put some words in. And so, so many of these old songs' lyrics are, like, pretty weak. And this is a great example of a song that's just kind of, like, to me, really boring, right? So, I am out on Someday My Prince Will Come. I am advancing Remember Me. Or recuérdame on to the next round. So, Christian, this one goes to you, mi amigo. Okay, so remember me. 
obviously has like a personal connection because I am Mexican. But when you think about like just what both of these songs do for each individual film, like I don't necessarily think of Someday My Prince Will Come because of Snow White. I think of it because of all of the other moments that Disney has kind of presented this song to me. Um, whether that's through commercials or while being at the park, right? So when I think of that song, I do think Disney, but I don't necessarily think that it was an integral moment of my recollection of Snow White. Now, when I think of Remember Me, I think of a specific moment within the film with him and his grandmother, right? Like I can, I can picture that moment that he has with her and if you if you just like listen to this slowed down or sped up or in spanish or english like this song holds up in every single capacity so i'm i'm gonna push remember me forward let's move on all right the first tie has been broken remember me moves on next matchup number nine how far i'll go versus number 24 I've got no strings. This one is a tough one. I don't think that Pinocchio really has like one standout, this is the best song in the movie. When You Wish Upon a Star, probably the most iconic. But if we're talking about like quality wise, I could probably play all of them and be like, oh yeah, that one that one was pretty good. You also got um, Actor's Life for Me in there. Um, and you got Give a Little Whistle in there too. And we have talked about on this podcast before how just the entire like score of Pinocchio is great and so I'm not sure it has the same effect as like how far I'll go does within the movie when that scene happens in Moana it's just like it's a showstopper it really really is um and I will always remember the three of us plus a few of our friends singing how far I'll go at the top of our lungs in a jacuzzi in Breckenridge Colorado so there's some sentimental value for me, too, with uh, this song for Moana. When it comes to the lyrics, hmm, I'm actually not a huge Lin-Manuel guy. I mean, I acknowledge that he's like a great writer, very talented man. Not sure he's for me every single time he does something, um, but, but I do think this song is pretty good. Whew, man, this one's tough. I've Got No Strings is a really simple song, um, and... I, I kind of get this like nostalgic feeling, you know, that you talk about how, you know, someday my friends go, oh, it's iconic. Like I think Disney, I've got no strings is like one of the few songs that does that for me where I can hear it come on and it, it like takes me to a different time and a place. So I really like that about um, this song. But at the end of the day, I think it's a little bit fluffy and I think how far I'll go packs a little bit more of a punch. It's, it feels a little bit more emotional. It has a little bit more character injected to it. Um, a little bit more meaningful. It's obviously a little bit more poppy, and that's something that I find really interesting, actually, about you know listening to the, all these songs and seeing like the history of the of Disney music. It's a lot like examining the history of popular music, right? When "How Far I'll Go" comes on, you know, it's very poppy. They did an Alicia Cara remix, and you know, it's something everyone wants to sing along to. I'm sure they were getting down the "Got No Strings" back in the day too. Yeah, like that sound was super popular back then. So I don't know that, it, that it's fair to use that as a judgment. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with the character argument here. And I'm I'm thinking I'm going to take how far I'll go. 
over got no strings. It's interesting that you bring up the popular music angle because that's what I was saying about someday my prince will come because essentially like if if you read back into kind of Disney music history um who's afraid of the big bad wolf is was the big pop hit. That song was playing on radio. Yeah. Who's afraid yeah. of the big Imagine turning on your radio right now and hearing Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf and being like this is that song. Like I'm I'm playing this all the time. Like <laughs> It's like that meme of that kid that's like crying and like ah. Yeah, exactly, right? And so when Rudolph comes on <laughs> So in context of their eras, all of these songs were huge hits. Um when I think about uh, No Strings versus How Far I'll Go, they're two of very similar songs sung in different contexts. Pinocchio thinks that since he has no strings and he can be free and have do whatever he wants and make his own choices, that, that that's the case when it's not in that part of the movie. And it's obvious. And that's what's the ironic part of that song. And that's why it's there. For Moana, it's her breaking free song, right? It's she's decided to find her freedom and explore the world and go on this journey. Um, and so they're like two songs with the same messages that are completely different in their context. Um, but Chris, I agree with you. I think How Far I'll Go is the song for me in this specific matchup um, because I, unless unless you are somebody probably our age, kids probably don't even know the original Pinocchio movie and if they've been exposed to um, no strings, it's either been in the parks or uh, I'm pretty sure Beats had. Oh my a, god, best a, commercial a, like a ever. Commercial that commercial was dope when they went Bluetooth and they used that song as their marketing tagline. But anyways, I'm choosing how far I'll go as well. So we're gonna move on down the bracket. Number eight, you can fly from Peter Pan versus number twenty-five, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Okay, Gaston, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast has a plethora of songs, not only in this bracket, but just in the movie itself. It feels like when you think of musical, that's a musical. It's just every every moment's a song. Um, and of the songs that made this bracket, arguably maybe uh, Gaston might be seen as the weaker one of the ones, but I love Gaston. I love this song. Um and we're in, I should preface, we're talking about the original songs of all of these songs, not the Broadway versions, not the live action versions. It's all its all just when they first appeared in, in Disney movies. Um, you Can Fly is an interesting like period piece song. Like It's very much of the time where it's very talk singing, moving the plot along, which I really like out of Disney songs. Like It's serving a purpose other than just stopping the show. Um, and then you get into the very mid-century like harmonies where it sounds like it's a vacuum cleaner ad and they're all singing about flying and if you think happy thoughts, things are all going to be good and stuff. While Gaston is uh, really, <laughs> it's like I kind of, a, it's like kind of a villain song, but there it's a tavern hyping up a villain and it's just showing how pompous this dude is. Uh, but I think that... Uh, I man, I'm gonna be absolutely ripped apart. I think by you with every time I use some sort of iconic argument. Um, but I just have such a, a more of a Disney feeling and, and reaction out of "You Can Fly" than I do out of Gaston. And maybe it's because the other songs in Beauty and the Beast uh, really 
damper the song's effect on me, but um, for me, I'm moving on number eight, You Can Fly. Well, I will say this about You Can Fly. I think if there's any song that can like convince me that it's good is it's You Can Fly because I see this flying thing as like a metaphor for just like being strong and brave and successful in in real life right like if you have joy in your heart or like think of happy thoughts you can do anything right and so if you're scared or unsure timid about something just you know think of something happy or a happy memory i'm not sure i like the examples they use in you can fly think of christmas think of snow think of sleigh bells like reindeers in the sky or whatever like i'm not i'm not sure i can like 100 percent relate to that but um i like that i like i like the messaging for the most part there um but dude gaston's my boy <laughs> like gaston is my boy i have extreme gaston bias and that song's amazing i was upset that they changed a few of the lyrics in the live action version of the song they took out the um like i every last bit of me is covered with hair and like I've got biceps to spare. But they did add a really funny part. Um, some of my favorite moments from that song are when he, when Gaston drops in his, uh, his refrain, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, as a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I'm especially good at expectorating. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> he's a, That's great. That's he's, great. And so they, um, they kind of like reference that in the live action version and they say, who can make up these endless refrains like Gaston. I use antlers and all of my dick. Oh my God. So good. I mean, I can't help to like pretend to know all the lyrics to that song and like try to attempt to sing it. It's just like so good. Uh, It's fantastic. I love it. Love Gaston. Love the way that they use that song as a way to kind of like, I guess, spend some time with the villains in Beauty and the Beast to kind of like, give the audience a glimpse of like what that that world's like like what that village is like like it makes Belle's situation so much more tragic when you know she comes back and she's like you know my father's not crazy there is a beast blah 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 but like we already know that everyone loves Gaston because we just saw like a crazy awesome musical number you know you can fly it's just it's just old man like it's just like not saying like all old things are bad but like it's just so I don't know. It it doesn't move me in the same way. I don't know. That's that's my argument there. So I'm going with Gaston because, like I said, Gaston's my boy. So Christian, it's going back to you. Okay, so I I agree with you, Kyle. I I think that the Gaston version was the the live action version of Gaston was actually a little bit better than the animated version. Um, it's a fun number. I, I do think that like it adds a lot of color to to the film. But I mean, you can fly is, is the moment in Peter Pan when like the magic comes to life, right? Like that's when they leave London, they literally fly out of a window and enter Neverland. So simply because of like the 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 magic that that song brings into that into that film i'm gonna go with you can fly i am crying real tears right now love it i'm so sad oh (laughs) just like that my boy is 
gone. <laughs> Defeated by children. <laughs> Flying okay. children. All right. You know, we got to move right along. So next up, we've got the number 12 seed, Colors of the Wind, versus number 21, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Now, we just talked a lot about Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Sure um, did. In our last couple of episodes, we had our best cat bracket. So, um, you know, we kind of casually referenced that this song's um, really good. And I, and I think it is. I really appreciate um, the build in that song. You know, it starts off, it's just it's just sweet and smooth. Everybody wants... It's nice. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of builds up, you know? Mm-hmm. And... You know, when you're listening to it on like a MP3 recording or something, you don't really get some of the visuals that they present in the movie, you know? And uh there's some psychedelics going on in uh <laughs> in the movie which I don't like. I really I really don't like that. Um and Duchess is just like <laughs> wiggling and like the psychedelic like light shows going on and I don't do not like it. And and there's a part that they cut from, you know, the digital versions of this song where there's like a Chinese cat and he has like a little a little verse that is um not not great and has not aged well. Oh, this um, is not it's not cut, I'll tell you that. It was on the Disney Plus version I when we watched it. Oh, it the, is, but it's not in like the audio only. Right, not in the audio. If you were to <laughs> yeah. Pull it up, you know. Yes, yes. Um so it's hard to kind of say like which version should we like talk about here like yeah. the subtle racist version or the you know clean cut but regardless it's going up against Colors of the Wind which for me um is a song that I thought was pretty good but as I looked into it a little bit more it's actually incredible. I think it's one of the better written songs in the Disney library if not like top 3. Um there are some great lines in here great themes about like being understanding of other people and uh you know being one with nature like understanding your own existence um and this is a song like worthy of repeating to like you know dissect all of the themes that are present in it so i personally loved colors of the wind it's also sung by the incomparable judy coon who has an extensive broadway career as cassette in Les Mis, she originated the role on Broadway. She's phenomenal. There is nothing not to like about this song. It's also like a song that's meant to school ya boy John Smith, <laughs> which like gives me extra pleasure because he's kind of annoying and incompetent. So I love Colors of the Wind in every way over Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. So Kyle, it's going to you. Uh, first, I want to lead off this by saying... The Aristocats is a horrible movie, and it's not even worth watching. Second, both of these movies, or both of these songs don't really spark that, like, oh, we're listening to a Disney song now. Colors of the Wind feels very, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself eventually when I say this, but, like, more show tune than it does... That's half of this. the songs in the Disney library. Like, everything uh, after Little Mermaid is a show tune song. No, like, no, I disagree. Used to it. I disagree. Um, Pocahontas is also a movie that I just don't care about at all. It's I don't care uh, any bit about Pocahontas. Don't care any bit about 
the Aristocats. I enjoy Everybody Wants to Be a Cat more than I do um, Color of the Wind through and through. Um, that being said, Colors of the Wind is probably the first like song that I remember hearing and seeing. Like I watched Pocahontas a lot when I was growing up for whatever reason. And uh, so that song really does stick with me and does remind me of Disney in my own way, even if it's not something that I think everyone else relates directly back to Disney all the time. Um, so that being said, Chris, I'm going to upset myself and move Colors of the Wind on. Moving down, number five, be our guest first. Number 28, be prepared. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Man, okay, I love Be Prepared. That song is one of the better, if not the best, villain songs in the entire Disney catalog, like, by far. Um, it really sets up Scar's intentions for the rest of the movie, um, does great for the plot, and really it does a good job of showing how incompetent his henchmen are and how diabolical he is. Um, and it's... And it's not just a song that's just like strictly scary and serious because a lot of what the hyenas add to it is hilarious and entertaining. I love that song. Be Our Guest is like, man, that is just such a Disney song. I mean, you people use like Be Our Guest in reference to that movie out of context of the song. Like they, everyone knows the song and they use Be Our Guest and... Be Our Guest is all over the parks. There's a restaurant in Magic Kingdom in Florida. Like, this is an iconic, iconic Disney song. Um, both of them are right up there for me, even though Be Our Guest is a number five and Be Prepared is a number 28. But, man, I'm going to have to just go with, like, a personal bias and, like, what it does for the movie, and Be Prepared is going to go on for me. Also, before I throw it to you, Chris, the Be Our Guest in the live action is incredibly stunning but Emma Watson's acting during it is so bad <laughs> it is so bad not that we're talking about that specific version but that being said uh, I still for personal bias reasons of just loving the song be prepared to moving on for me it is distracting I agree with that um, but again talking about animated um, I think these songs are both extremely well written for uh, different reasons be prepared written by Tim Rice um, Broadway lyricist worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber on musicals such as my all-time favorite Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, he also contributed a couple songs to the Lion King, a um, couple songs to the Little Mermaid, um, and Aladdin. I think not Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Yeah, and there's a few um, lyrics in there I really like. Um, for example, towards the end of like the first verse. Scar says, Injustice deliciously squared. Be prepared. Injustice deliciously squared. Such a, such a good lyric, man. Like, yeah. that is great word choice right there. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate that about that song in particular. And there are a couple other moments um, that are similar in Be, Be Prepared. But Be Our Guest is like so well written in a different way in that like it just never stops like it is just 
food joke after food joke after mm-hmm. food reference after dinner reference, one after the other, boom, 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 and mm-hmm. it just keeps going, and it seems like they just never run out. I mean, it, it's like Lewis Carroll style where, where you're like, this person is like a master of the right. English language. It's crazy. I think it was Howard Ashman um, who wrote the Be Our Guest song. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it is kind of a fluffy song. I think, you know, talking about context and character, Be Prepared is probably stronger because I love a good villain song. But man, I want to hate Be Our Guest so much because it just kind of is like, feels unnecessary to me. But it's good, man. It's a well-written song. Slaps. It's fun to sing along to. Like you said, it's kind of like Disney's motto, you know? Um, so I'm going with Be Our Guest. Boy. So Christian, you got the tiebreaker, my dude. So I think it's hard, right? Because Be Our Guest is such a spectacle of a number. Um, but when I, when I think about Beauty and the Beast, there are so many other songs that stick out to me, like Beauty and the Beast, um, that I find myself thinking like, okay, I just, I'm ready for this number to be over versus when I listen to Be Prepared and even especially shout out to the live action version, like it was so fun to watch that I kept thinking, I don't want this to end, right? So it's that opposite feeling that I get because it is such a juicy villain moment that drive story yeah, and is is catchy and fun to sing along to um i i'm going to choose be prepared uh i think i think it's it's a classic that should move forward in this bracket um and i recently watched the live action version of the lion king so i think that's probably why i'm feeling a little bit more uh uh inclined to to choose that that song all right, we've got Be Prepared. Moving on to the next round. So next round of 32 matchup, we have number 13, Part of Your World, versus number 20, Supercalifragilistic. This one's tough because it's another matchup where you have two good songs that are good for different reasons. Supercalifragilistic seems really basic and just like, I don't know, like one of those stop and sing songs uh, that if you cut from the movie, like it won't affect the plot or any of the characters in any way. But it's a fun song, man. You cannot help but sing along to Supercalifragilistic. I go on my phone and listen to like my master shuffle of like all the songs in my Apple library and Supercalifragilistic comes on. And I just like, I just leave it, man. I just let it go. (laughs) It's a good song. Um, Part of your world though is like very emotional it's when ariel kind of has her moment to express what she really wants out of the world all of her frustrations with her identity and being where she is so it's definitely got a little you know thump behind it which i really like about that song at the end of the day i think i'm gonna go with my gut here i'm gonna go with part of your world um, I know Kyle doesn't really like The Little Mermaid that much. I don't love it, but I think I like it better than you do. Um, I love Mary Poppins too, like way more than I love The Little Mermaid, but Supercalifragilistic is like in my bottom two favorite Mary Poppins songs. And Part of Your World is, is the standout moment of The Little Mermaid. Um, and also, my little sister, when she was like eight, sung part of your world on stage as Ariel in a show and it was like a very proud big brother moment and uh, 
So that song kind of means a lot to me for that reason. So going with Part of Your World. Yeah, I'm a huge Mary Poppins fan and not a huge Little Mermaid fan, but Chris, I'm with you on this one. I'd be moving Part of Your World on. That song's just, oh man, it's just so good. It's so good. It moves the plot along. You find out Ariel, what drives Ariel, um, why she's so curious about the um, the outside world, I guess. Um, Super Califragilistic, Expialidocious is a filler song. It's just there for fun. Mary Poppins is an extremely long movie where they just threw in every idea that they had and just let it fly. Um, and while it's, I love that song, I think Part of Your World's a better one, so I'm also moving Part of Your World on, which brings us down to the bottom of the left side of this bracket. We have Jesus. number four, When You Wish Upon a Star, verse number 29, Feed the Birds. Chris, you know how much I love the song Feed the Birds. That song is a beautiful song. It is one of those, it, for me, it really, it's a somber moment in Mary Poppins. It slows everything down after all the craziness of Supercalifragilistic. Um, kind of really brings you back down to earth about reality. It, it's a song about reality after this first half of the movie all about fantasy. When You Wish Upon a Star, as I said in the opening, this is like the theme of the Disney company as a whole. You hear that song, you know, you know you're about to, you hear, it's it, before every single Disney movie. You walk under the castle of Disneyland, it's playing. It's it's a Disney song. Um, Feed the Birds, like, people may not have even heard of that song, right? Like, unless you're a big Poppins fan or you love music history, you don't even know Feed the Birds. Um, and so while that's one of my favorite songs, it might not be one of my favorite Disney songs. So I'm moving When You Wish Upon a Star on to the next Ooh. round. All right. Well, <laughs> When You Wish Upon a Star, uh, I will acknowledge. Uh, very iconic. Um, I think I think it earns the number four spot. Um, I think you could even make the argument it should have got the number one spot because this song is synonymous with Disney music. But, you know... We've been talking about messaging, the three of us. And uh, if you want to talk about a song who has terrible messaging, it's When You Wish Upon a Star. When You Wish Upon a Star, Your Dreams Come True. The song is literally saying that like you will get anything you want if you just make a wish on a star, which I don't love. And you have movies like Princess and the Frog that try to, like, turn that on its head a little bit by making their main character really focused on like you know going after their dreams and not wishing upon a star and obviously that movie is kind of resolved where like it's somewhere in the middle where there's a little bit of magic and a little bit of work too but when you wish upon a star for some reason like if i'm focusing really hard on like the lyrics and stuff it's cringy to me and feed the birds is just just like when you wish upon a star is just another version of you can fly. Exactly. And That's you why enjoyed I enjoyed wa- the messaging of you can fly. You even said like I love the messaging of because like you there- can do anything. You can if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Yeah, because there is like a metaphor there, but there's not one in when you wish upon a star your dream will come true. Where's the metaphor I don't think there? the cricket. Where is it? I don't think the there cricket. I don't think the cricket 
literally meant that, oh, if you wish on that star, your dreams will come true. It's it's just believing in your did. dreams. I think he did. I think he's stuffing nonsense into children's minds. <laughs> and Feed the Birds is a classic song. It's amazing. I don't care that no one's ever heard of it. It's a better song, better movie. Feed the Birds over when you wish upon a star. Christian, what do you got? Tiebreaker. Okay, so when... <laughs> When I looked at the bracket, I had to look up Feed the Birds. I forgot yep. that it existed, and I'm sorry, uh, Socks. It's, it's, it's a good song. Um, I think that some of our honorable mentions actually should have replaced this, this number. Um, I mean, when you put it up against When You Wish Upon a Star, I think you even said Socks. Like, it, it, it arguably could have been number one on this list. Um, I can I can see right now in my mind like that scene of the moon in the background and the windowsill and that song encompasses Disney in a way that very few songs do. Um, and before we even hit our 90s moment of Alan Menken, like this was the song that people thought of when they thought of Disney. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to When You Wish Upon a Star. Your dreams do come true. Oh, good. I understand the appeal. So we got When You Wish Upon a Star moving. We're moving over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number three, Under the Sea, versus number 30, I See the Light. Under the Sea absolutely slaps. Like Be Our Guest, it's one of those showstopper numbers. But it kind of profiles similar where like it is a little bit fluffy, but it doesn't have the same like songwriting expertise that... I think Be Our Guest does. And you got it going up against I See the Light, which is one of my personal favorite Disney songs of all time. It has so much going for it. It's got great lyrics. It's got great character realizations going on in it. It's got an incredible visual sequence going on where you got these lanterns going everywhere too. So it's absolutely stunning. It's been featured in tons of Disney parks, spectaculars and shows, and Disney has really leaned into this song, and I really like the fact that they have, because a lot of people don't really talk about it anymore, and they're kind of keeping the attention on it. Um, Obviously, you got Mandy Moore in it, right? Gotta love (laughs) Mandy Moore. Obviously. Um, But I'll go ahead, and I will tell you a few of my favorite lyrics from this song, because Under the Sea doesn't have any, but I See the Light starts off. The very first line in the song, all those days watching from the windows, all those years outside looking in. First of all, all those days, all those years, days turn to years very quickly, right? Watching from the windows, outside looking in. Metaphor for life, right? If you're inside looking out, you're just watching the world go by. It's great. It's so powerful, Mm -hmm. right? Also, you've got uh, the duet thing going on too so you have both characters singing verses Rapunzel ends her verse with I'm where I meant to be Flynn ends his verse with I'm where I meant to go Rapunzel used to sitting around just being somewhere not in the right place Flynn used to going around running places not the right place and here they are in this moment sharing it together realizing that they're where they're meant to be slash go it's so amazing. I just I just love everything about this song. I will fall on my sword for this song over any other song in this bracket. I'm going with I See the Light. Upset over Under the Sea. What do you think, Kyle? I don't think that you give Under the Sea quite enough credit for what it does 
for the movie. This is a moment where Sebastian is trying to convince Ariel to not dip. She's he's like, "What are you talking? This un- being under the sea is fantastic. Let me pull together this incredible show-stopping number to tell you why you should be down here." Um, I see the light, like you brought up. Um, it's a pivotal point in the plot. It brings two storylines together. Um, both of these songs kind of establish where the movie's gonna go from there. You know that once Ariel hears this song, she's like, nah, I'm out. I'm still going. I don't care. And when you hear this, I see the light, that these two are gonna be finally working together towards one goal, um, and that this realization of love has happened. Um, Chris, I am going to agree with you. I'm gonna move when I see the light, or I see the light on, to the next round. That song is just so beautiful. That song is just so great for the moment that it's in. It's another one that brings in, like, brings the movie out of craziness and into just kind of self-reflection. And I really enjoy that about that as well. So I'm with you. I'm moving I See the Light on. Next up, we have number 14, Beauty and the Beast, versus number 19, Reflection. Um, this is This is Beauty and the Beast for me. I'm like reflection is a great song and and really establishes a a nice turning point and a wrap up uh, to Mulan. It kind of starts her journey and ends her journey. Um, Beauty and the Beast is an iconic song that I think is just beautiful and beautifully done by Angela Lansbury. Um, it's it's fantastic and I've, I prefer it over reflection. I think that. Um, that that if we're gonna if we're gonna hop into like what the lyrics mean like obviously there's an issue with beauty and the beast across the board at being a movie in general right um and reflection is really about like finding who you are and 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 what you want out of life but for me i just i just get warm and fuzzy when i hear beauty and the beast so i'm moving beauty and the beast on I mean, you literally just articulated my argument for reflection perfectly. <laughs> I cringe when I hear some of these Beauty and the Beast lyrics. Tale as old as time. How is that a tale as old as time? Like, True since when is can Beauty's be. falling in love with Beasts a, an old tale that we all know? Like They what? were barely even friends. That doesn't make sense. First of all, that lyric. Also, barely even friends. They were barely then even friends. Then someone bends unexpectedly. Yeah, because of Stockholm yeah. Syndrome and they're being <laughs> mentally manipulated t- into falling in love with a scary person. Okay. <laughs> Don't like that. Um, overrated song. Probably the worst on the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack. Reflection. One of my this favorites. Is a lot. Super short and sweet, punchy, meaningful. Great vocals from Leah Salonga. Another Lay Miz alum. Um, so I'm advancing reflection, like not even thinking about it. So that oh, one goes man. to Christian. Reflection, Beauty and the Beast. So reflection and Beauty and the Beast. When I think of each of these, I actually think of you know the famous names that they actually get to sing this song after the fact, right? So not the soundtrack version. So when when I think of right like the Christina Aguilera version and then the Celine Dion with people Bryson like. Celine Dion does so much for this song and even as she tours she'll sing this song right like this although Reflection did a lot for Mulan 
what Celine did for Beauty and the Beast. Like that song I want to listen to outside of when I'm watching that film, right? Like it has a lot of, it has a lot of, uh, it has just like those classic elements that you look for in, in a Disney song that, um, are going to help it take the win in this, in this matchup. You know, it's all right. It's all good. I, I acknowledge the good arguments there. So let's move right along. We've got, I want to be like you versus once upon a dream. Another tough one. We have two fairly classic songs here, so I can't use my like meaningless iconic argument um on this matchup, but um obviously um Sleeping Beauty made it really far in our best Disney animated movie bracket. So we all know we both love that movie. The animation sequence that goes along with this song is stunning. Stands the test of time. Some of these Disney movies and the hand-drawn animation, like the Aristocats, looks terrible, right? <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, so crisp. Just the highlight of the whole movie is that sequence. Absolutely love it. Um, but it's going up against I Want to Be Like You, which is the theme song to this podcast, and it is a Sherman Brothers classic. Now, we can get into a whole argument about were the Sherman brothers a one-hit wonder? Were they really that big of a deal? They didn't really end up doing a whole bunch when you look at like the entire scope of Disney history. But, I mean, you got to acknowledge, uh, you know, the work they did in the Jungle Book, kind of taking those lyrics and that songwriting to the next level. Um, it's an interesting moment. It's kind of a villain song for yep. King Louis. Um, he's kind of trying to like manipulate uh Mowgli a little bit but um yeah I think it's a good song it's just really funky I mean I can't help grooving a little bit to it I mean I love that moment in Sleeping Beauty too so it's a really tough one for me but if I was gonna go with like just the better song I'm going with I want to be like you it hurts me to do it, but but I have to. I want to use uh, a, a sensible argument like you did with Beauty and the Beast, Once Upon a Dream. I know you from Once Upon a Dream. Nah, you know him because you were a little baby and he was 16 years old and he was like, I'm marrying this baby. That's where you know him from. Not, not a dream. <laughs> it was real life and you were an infant. Um, I'm with you, Chris. I'm moving I want to be like you on. Uh, I think that it's a great villain song because it's King Louis trying to manipulate Mowgli into helping him find fire, which was this kind of weird plot point. But like he's distracting him with this in incredibly catchy song. The monkeys are trying to steal him away from uh, Baloo and Bagheera, and it's it's a great scene. Um, Once upon a dream. It's uh, we're gonna say it again. It's an iconic scene. It's an iconic song. It's uh, it's a classic Disney kind of princess song it's a duet the dude comes in and sings as well um but i want to be like you i mean it's our theme song and i i specifically remember playing that song on a cassette tape growing up and so it's just has a special place in my heart i just think it's better so yeah i'm with you i'm moving i want to be like you on which brings us right down we are going number six circle of life versus number 27 almost there um Circle of Life is oh my gosh, are you, who doesn't know the Circle of Life? Who doesn't know that 
opening saying about the lion. Hey, there's the lion. The lion is coming in Swahili. Who who doesn't know the Elton John version? Like this, this is such an important song to kind of. It, I mean, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Like you, I don't think you expect this if you were going in to watch The Lion King just completely blind, and this is the first thing that you hear. Like you're set, you're ready. This is going to be a pretty impactful movie. Um, Almost there is also such a great song. Um, if we're putting it into the context of the movie, like it's a very um, woman empowering song, female empowerment song. Uh, Tiana's working to open up a restaurant. She's almost there and she's she recognizes there's been hardships, but she knows that her hard work's going to pay off in the end. Um, and she's doing it on her own and it's, it's awesome. And it's such a catchy song. Um, it's one that man it's it's so tough for me because circle of life is just so good um but almost there is is such an underrated great disney song um man i'm i don't think i'm gonna let the 90s bias get to me in this one guys i don't think so i like tiana and i like her her drive too much and i like this song too much i'm moving almost there on past the circle of life that's impressive i mean uh, for me, almost their profiles a lot like Let It Go in that it's a song that one of your heroes sings that kind of like loses its truthiness to it by the end of the movie where like you have your hero being like, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get what I want. And then they learn at the end that like you can work as hard as you want, but you still need that little bit of like fate and luck to like get what you really, really want, you know? And so it's a great song, but like in the context of the movie, re-listening to it and re-watching it, it's a little bit weird, like listening to your hero, like singing about something that like, you know, they're wrong about. Right. So that's, I guess one reason I don't love almost there, but you know, you know, I cringe at this nineties Disney bias thing is i think circle of life is like one of those one things that like they deserves that you know it's such a great song the lyrics are so good um you know uh i i got some you know sentimental memories from doing circle of life shots at the fec (laughs) which if you want to know what that is you can dm the podcast and we'll explain it to you but uh it's a good song It's, it's a good song it slaps, and, and the lyrics are great. Um, great, strong opening to the movie, too. So I'm going Circle of Life. So, Christian, this one goes to you, my friend. Um, I I feel I feel sad that Almost There got put up against such a giant like Circle of Life. I think it's disrespectful. Having been to New Orleans and having seen Princess and the Frog, like it does such a good job, right, of, of, of embodying such a lively city and this song is just fun to to watch and it it really does set up a lot of what our 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 expectations of tiana are going to be throughout the film right like we know who she is because of this song but circle of life has transcended you know the lion king like I think of, of this song in so many different capacities, whether it's on Broadway, whether it's, you know, popping up 
at you know a, a community theater musical a circle of life and the ensemble power behind that song i think unfortunately trumps almost there and we're gonna we're, we're gonna give it to the circle of life all right well we've got circle of life going on to the next round next matchup we've got number seven you've got a friend in me versus 26 for the first time in forever I would make a strong argument that for the first time in forever is the better song in Frozen over Let It Go. I love the insight you get into Anna's character. She's got that goofiness throughout that just makes her like really relatable and likable. Um, You've Got a Friend in Me, though, is one of those rare songs that like when I hear that opening, like, do 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 like, it just, I get, like, full body chills, and, like, I don't know, man, something about it, it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, if there's gonna be one song I advance on, like, iconicness, um, it's You've Got a Friend in Me, so I think I'm gonna play that card right now, and I'm going with You've Got a Friend in Me over for the first time in forever. You've Got a Friend in Me is a perfect song. That song is so good. When that flute comes in, it's just you're ready to rock. When when you watched Yeah, oh man. When you watch uh Toy Story Four, right? And it's like that dramatic scene and they're saving the RC car out of the gutter and like everything turns to black and then it f- goes up into the clouds and it's the Andy's room clouds and that song starts again. I was ready. I was ready to get up out the theater. I was ready just to walk around and be like, we're here. This is our movie right now. Like, oh, gosh, that song is so good. Um, Randy Newman really, like, set the tone for kind of what songwriting for Disney was really going to start looking like. And then Disney kind of started to take it and turn it more into the the big Broadway show kind of music once you got into the late 2000s, which is just how as we've talked about like how pop music and especially in movies has moved on but you've got a friend in me that is just oh it's such a good song it's it's moving on all right down to here we go number 10 akuna matata versus number 23 from one of the greatest movies ever to be made ever ever cruella deville 101 dalmatians oh man the song cruella deville is just such it's just such a an old-timey slap. It is... Every time I hear that piano start up, and especially in the soundtrack version, where uh, the piano just goes on forever. It's like a a two-and-a-half-minute interlude before any sort of singing begins. And it's just so calming and nice, and it really fits in well with the um, aesthetics and the theme of, of the movie 101 Dalmatians. Akuna Matata is so iconic in the Disney movie world that it's featured in other Disney movies. When you're watching Toy Story and Buzz and Woody are flying over Andy's mom's car when they're trying to get to the moving truck, guess what song's playing in Andy's mom's car? Akuna Matata. Like, this is a song that kind of what Christian brought up with the circle of life has transcended past just being a Lion King song, being just a Disney song. It's really been a cultural um, movement uh, people say akuna matata to make it mean mean no worries like they it's just such a great 
Disney song. Um, it provides a great plot point. It moves. We move through time in the song, which is nice because you had to do it some way, and this was a great way of showing how much time has passed and why. Um, Simba needed to get away from his worries, and he found these two friends that got him away for his, from his worries for 10-plus years, right? Um, Cruella de Vil sets up the feelings of our protagonist towards the villain, um, but I think she could have also done that herself in the movie. Like, the song doesn't make her more evil. It just adds to the feelings of the protagonist, which they didn't really take her seriously in the song. They were kind of just making fun of her. And then it turns out like she's out here snatching puppies. Um, Chris, I am allowing the nineties bias to get to me. I'm putting down the one movie that I've always stood on a hill and died for. I'm moving Akuna Matata on. Well, this is interesting for me because I'm the dude who doesn't, really like the Lion King mm-hmm. and also doesn't really show 101 Dalmatians some love. So I have to show one of them <laughs> some love right now. So which one's it going to be is the question. If you choose um, this moment to show 101 Dalmatians love out of every moment, I swear. Oh, here we go. Well, it's your lucky day because Akuna Matata <laughs> is a total throwaway song. Don't like it joking? at all. It's got a fart joke in it, which I really like because potty humor in Disney movies is few and far between, and I appreciate it. But, like you said, I like the way that they kind of set up Cruella as a villain a little bit, amplify her strength, position her against the protagonists. Um, not sure it's like a great song, um, but I like the spirit of it. So I'm going with Cruella DeVille. 101 oh gosh. What up? What so a- Christian, this one's going to you, my friend. I think what a backwards episode. again, if I'm thinking about the songs within the Lion King, like where does this song stack up for me? Hakuna Matata, I don't think has the same impact on me the, the way that Circle of Life does for that reason. And because I think Cruella DeVille is just like a rad villain song. I think that I'm going to give it to Cruella DeVille. I think that that song is so much fun you could actually listen to it even though you're not watching 101 Dalmatians and you could still get really excited about it. Hakuna Matata obviously has a really fun chorus but will it go further than this next round? I don't think so so we're we're giving it to our, our girl Cruella. How's that one feel K-Skinny? I mean I'm not mad because 101 Dalmatians is an incredible film that deserves the recognition, every bit of the recognition that it's gotten so far. Um, I just felt that Akuna Matata was the better Disney song. But hey, I'm not mad. Cruella li- lives to see another day. All right, so let's move on to the next matchup. We're getting down to our last few. We got number 15, Friend Like Me from Aladdin, versus number 18, Go the Distance from Hercules. I got to give a shout out to Robin Williams. Um, this guy's a comedian, not a great singer, but he breathes so much life into this song and makes it really entertaining. Some great animation sequences go along with it. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a little bit overrated. It's one it's really memorable, so it stands out in a lot of people's minds, I think, but um, yeah, it's a little bit fluffy and go the distance profiles a lot like 
part of your world where it's a character who feels down on his luck and he's really kind of struggling to find where he belongs and he's singing about you know what he wants out of his existence and it's really powerful great vocals great insight into who the character is and it's just it's just like a really catchy good song so i'm going with go the distance really really easy win over friend like me so what do you got for me it's a battle of the overrated versus the underrated Go the Distance is not a song that I don't think people really think about a lot. And Friend Like Me is a song that people may think about too much. <laughs> um, I I mean, I wasn't a, always... A, I've never really been a huge Aladdin fan in general. Um, a Whole New World kind of goes beyond just that movie. Um, so it was a little bit more pertinent in my life. But Friend Like Me, like, I, it was not... It was not anything to me, but Go the Distance, for whatever reason, really stuck with me growing up, um, and it, it deserves it deserves all the recognition. It's a great song. Um, like you said, it's a kind of that part of your world song for Hercules, uh, and I just, I think that the lyrics there are more meaningful. I mean, obviously you have two different contexts that we're talking about these movies in, and you have a comedian who's going to be given lyrics that are funny and he he does a tremendous job with that and even hell will smith did a great job with that song in the live action like that was like a pleasant surprise um but all that being said i'm with you chris i'm moving herc on go the distance is gonna go past friend like me all right so go the distance is moving on which means we've reached the final matchup of our round of 32 we have number two let it go from frozen versus number 31 touch the sky from brave chris bowersox what did i tell you about touch the sky earlier this week you said if you want to start your day on the right foot put on touch the sky and it will be the best day oh my goodness touch the sky honestly i hadn't seen brave up until maybe two years ago, I was like, I don't need this movie. I did, it just didn't appeal to me. And then I watched it, and that song is so simple but so great. Um, and here's where like, "Touch the Sky" is very new in my life, and "Let It Go" has punched me in the face for several years. And it let it go is a fantastic song too, though, and that's why I'm like struggling. I don't want my uh, oversaturation of let it go to affect my opinion of touch the sky. Like that's not fair. Um, but it is what's happening. I I mean, let it go is such a great moment in Frozen because it sets the stage for it's the entire beginning part of frozen is just this built up tension within elsa and this is the moment where that's dissolved and it's so rewarding for not only the audience but also obviously elsa that she can finally just be free of everything that's ever worried her or constricted her and it's a powerful moment while i chris i could not even really tell you the moment that touch the sky happens other than merida is riding a horse at some point it feels like it's probably at the beginning of the movie right so it's it's more of touch the sky is more of 
the theme of the movie Brave than it is associated directly with Merida, perhaps, to me, while Let It Go is very much Elsa and her song, and it's a pivotal moment in the movie. Um, I'm racking my brain right now because it's it's tough. I don't... I I like Touch the Sky more than I like Let It Go, but I like what Let It Go does for its movie more than Touch the Sky. And I think if we're talking in the context of like these songs taking place within their movies, it's Let It Go for me. I'm moving Let It Go on to the next round. I would consider myself a Frozen fanboy. Um, <laughs> love everything Frozen characters songs christian actually was the person who told me to go see it get myself to the theater and see frozen and it (laughs) changed my life um love let it go but like you said it, it, it it's been around a while and like it's been at the top of all these disney playlists for so long and um you know is there some let it go fatigue is there some frozen fatigue yeah i think there's a little Um, if we're talking about, you know, impactfulness, obviously Let It Go had like, it was a cultural phenomenon. Adele Dazim, who sings Let It Go, um, Adele Dazim, she, you know, some people say she has some vocal damage these days and she's a little bit shrill and, um, you know, her delivery of the song isn't the best. Um, which which I agree with to an extent. Wow, you're talking to some people. So, Touch the Sky is this Celtic song that, like, <laughs> do, there are no other Celtic songs in the Disney music library. So, it's it's refreshing to hear it. Um, seems like there are, you know, 100 other Let It Goes. Man, but we're talking best Disney song here. What represents the Disney brand? Um Man, I want to give it to Touch the Sky so bad because I love chaos. And if I was walking down the street today and Touch the Sky came on, I would let it go. And oh, if gosh. Let It Go came on, I would skip it. Right. Um, so We've had enough chaos for one for one episode, man. I think. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have the heart to do it. So I am gonna agree and I'm gonna I'm gonna advance Let It Go. Tristan, we- do you agree with that take? Okay. Boys, what are we doing here? Like, I get that we all have a little bit of, like, a burnout because we worked at a camp where this song, like, hit its peak and was on repeat over and over and over. But even when you hear it, like, what it does for Frozen and the moment that it has for Disney, like, it really did revive Disney in in a musical sense. Like, think about what Disney was throwing out. Like, it was throwing out animated films but it really had taken a step back when it comes to musicals like i think of um you know uh, all of all of the toy stories all of the 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 non-character singing musicals that were released between the 90s and let it go and let it go really did spark this this hunger from Disney audiences to see characters singing these songs again. So as much as Touch the Sky had a moment, like it doesn't do anything in comparison to Let It Go. So Let It Go is moving forward. It's also it's also number two on the damn list. Like what are we doing? Let's yep. let's just yep. stop playing games. <laughs> Sheriff Campos has said his piece. 
we have finished the round of 32 and that brings us to the end of this episode chris any final thoughts before we sign off I am exhausted, and I might make myself another adios, mother Gotham. I mean, I don't blame you. Christian, thank you so much for being our guest this week. Uh, we're excited to continue this podcast with you and really find that great Disney song. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I, uh, I'm looking and forward to uh, seeing who who moves forward in this bracket, uh, and, and thanks for, for including me. This has been a lot of fun, guys. And we are now on a weekly upload schedule, so we will be back on your podcast feeds next week with the next installment of this bracket. Until then, you can always email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com, send us a tweet at mousemadnesspod, or join our Discord server, which is linked in the episode info. Super fun time. We chat a lot about Disney stuff. So, thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.